Thank you for listening to our Bayshore Rehoboth podcast. We always love to hear stories about how Bayshore is helping to have an impact in your life. We would love for you to take just a moment and send us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. Also, be sure to stop by our website at bayshorecc.org to find out all kinds of information, including past messages, videos, pictures, links to social media, and an opportunity to give online. Thanks again for joining us, and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey, I'm curious to start today. Who remembers the very first time you tried to work out? Anybody remember the first time? And try is an important word here. You remember? Okay, a lot of of you guys remember. I remember. I was thinking about it this week because of this series. The first time I tried to work out, I was in eighth grade, and my buddy Joe got the Bowflex. You remember the Bowflex? I, I had never lifted anything in my life, but eighth grade me was like, I, I, got the, I will make the Bowflex. I got this. I'm strong. I, I never lifted anything, but I thought, you know, I was like genetically gifted. That's what I thought in eighth grade, okay? And so I went to do my very first bench press ever. Ever in Joe's room. And let me just tell you, the bow, it did not flex. Not even, it was like a no flex, is what that was. And so, not genetically gifted. Uh, anyway, before we get going today, we got to show some love to our online family. And today, Gary and Crystal, you guys are getting all the love. And uh, Gary and Crystal, if you, if you don't know them, they are some volunteers around here. And, and Gary and Crystal are normally like sitting right back there where there's an empty seat. But Gary and Crystal are not here today. But we know where Gary and Crystal are because they, they sent Cotter this note. We're going to put this on the screen. Uh, Gary says this, Cotter, Crystal and I will be away for the next two Sundays. We'll be watching Joel on the ship. Please let him know where we are. We will be on the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. All the best, Gary. Does it feel like Gary's rubbing it in a little bit to anybody? He gave the cruise line. Like, I don't think that was necessary, Gary. Um, I'm totally kidding. Gary and Crystal, you guys are the best. We have a picture of them. Um, If you don't know them, I added some emojis next to their head just to keep the millennials engaged. But Sorry, I don't know. Too much time on my hands. I don't. But... But Gary and Crystal, thank you so much for cruising with us today while you're on your cruise. And so you can you all just show some love to Gary and Crystal right now? I love it. So we are in week three of Do You Even Lift, Bro? And we're talking about making personal and spiritual gains in 2020. And if, and if you haven't been with us this month and you're like, I don't know what that phrase even means. This is what we've been saying all month long. We'll put this on the screen. Do you even live, bro? It's a gym phrase. That means if you want to get better, if you want to get stronger, butch, if you want to make gains, you got to challenge yourself. And so I'm here today to challenge you to get unstuck and to get strong like butch in 2020. Okay, so turn to somebody and say, oh, you're not going to be stuck after today. You're not going to be stuck after today. Come on, you got to do it. You got to play my games. Thanks for letting me pick on you, Butch. (laughs) So speaking of stuck, um, 
I thought it might snow yesterday, but it did not snow. Did it snow somewhere? Did not snow in my house. Listen, I made a parenting mistake yesterday. You might want to hear this one, okay? Um, so I told my daughter Nora in the morning it might snow. She got so excited that she put on her snowsuit. She put on her snow jacket. She put on her snow gloves, and she was in the backyard. Bless her heart. No snow at all. She just like running around. I took a picture of her. I was like, come up on the porch, girl. And so here's Nora, like yesterday. Look how green that grass is, man. No snow. But does anybody here like like snow? Like you're into that? You're into snow, snow people? Okay. Listen, me too. I love a good snow day. Like, don't get mad at me and leave the church because most of you did not raise your hand, but I'm ready for a big one. Like, give me one blizzard, and then it can get 80 and sunny forever, okay? But one blizzard. But here's a problem with, with snow. Um, snow creates a little tension in my marriage. Because me and Stacy have very different philosophies when it comes to shoveling the driveway. My philosophy is to not do it. <laughs> Who's with me? Who's like, yeah, just let science take it. Let the warmth take care of it. Mostly men, okay? Yes. Um, Stacy's philosophy is that somebody should shovel the driveway at least seven times during the entire snow event. And that somebody has a name, and his name is Joel, okay? But Stacy's smart. She'll say this. She'll say, honey, we should, we should shovel the driveway. We. Every married man knows that we means who? Me, okay? So we have different philosophies on the whole shoveling the driveway thing. And so two Januarys ago, I don't know if you remember this, we got, a, we got a big snow, big snow. We actually canceled church because of that big snow. I, I took a picture of me in front of the sign that, that day. This snow was big. You guys remember this snow? So this snow happened on a Friday while Stacy was at work, and it was super windy during this snow, which created a giant snow drift at the end of our driveway. And so Stacy was coming home from work that Friday, and I'm sure if I could like get in Stacy's head, I'm sure she was thinking, my man has probably shoveled the driveway. He's so dreamy. He's genetically gifted. You know, things like this. <laughs> Not at all. Okay, guys, I was in my house watching Star Wars, thinking this is an amazing time to be alive. We got Darth Vader on the TV. We got snow out there. Like, I am living the dream right now. And I'm looking out the window while watching Star Wars. And I see Stacy's van come around the corner in our neighborhood. And that's when it hit me. I probably should have shoveled the driveway. And so Stacy gets up to our driveway. And that's when she sees the three-foot snow drift. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. The, 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 the snow drift, it looked like an evil Knievel ramp at this point. I mean, just this... Big old ramp. And I don't know, Stacey was probably mad at me or maybe she was inspired about Evil Knievel because she became Evil Knievel and she thought, I'm going to jump this snow drift <laughs> or plow through it or something. I'm watching all this go down. She hits the gas pedal like she is Evil Knievel. She runs into this snow drift at Evil Knievel speeds and I just see snow just go poof. And I'm like, where'd she go? By the way, this is in our family minivan. That's what all this happens in. Finally, the snow kind of fell, and that's when I see our Sienna, in my memory. I might be exaggerating this point, but it was like seesawing on top of the snowdrift. 
And I thought, that van's not going anywhere for a while. And so it was like van down. It was seesawing. Like Stacy still thinks she's evil can evil though, because the wheels, I just see the wheels keep on spinning. So she's still mashing the gas pedal. And I just thought, like, this isn't good. It's not good for the van. Not good for my marriage. <laughs> but it's mainly just not good for me. Okay, this is not good for me. And so she was so stuck. And, and I'm curious, who here has ever gotten stuck before? Driving around, you got stuck before? Okay, that's, that's almost, let's see, baby. It happens to everybody. You raised your hand. I know you've been stuck. Um, <laughs> so we've been stuck. When you're stuck in your car, isn't it true that you're like spinning your wheels and you can't get any traction and this thought goes to your head? Am I ever going to get out of here? Like this, this isn't good. Isn't that how that happens? And here's my point. Here's my point. The same thing happens in our life. Sometimes we get stuck in situations and we're spinning our wheels and we can't get any traction and we think, am I ever going to get out of this? Like this, this isn't, this isn't good. And we're spinning our wheels and we're like, like we don't feel like we're going to get out of it. Maybe you feel stuck right now. Maybe, maybe you feel stuck um, in a bad job, you know, bad workplace environment. Maybe you feel stuck um, in a bad habit. Maybe you feel stuck with your money. Go to financial peace. Maybe you feel stuck in your emotions. Maybe you feel stuck in your marriage. Maybe you have young children and you feel stuck watching the movie Frozen 76,000 times. And if you have to hear that song, let it go one more time, you're going to let somebody go. <laughs> Parents, you know, you've been there. But we all have moments of feeling stuck and we're spinning our wheels. We can't get any traction. And we think, am I ever going to get out of this? Like, I, this is not good. And so back, back to the van. I look out my window and Stacy's, you know, stuck in the driveway. And I thought, like, this is not good for me. And so I, what did I do? I, I turned off Star Wars. She didn't know, didn't need to know I was watching Star Wars, okay? And I go out there and I start digging the van out. And then Stacy, she, she's helping me. She's digging the van out. And then my neighbors, Mr. Nick and Mr. Brian, they come over and they start digging my van out. Glory, hallelujah. But I know they're thinking, like, Joel, like, you didn't shovel your driveway, man? What kind of pastor are you? Like, Anyway, I didn't think we'd ever get out. But finally, after all four of us were shoveling, we got the minivan free. The minivan rode again. Come on, somebody. It's a good day to be a Sienna owner, all right? Not a good day for me. But here's the thing. I tell you that because it felt so good when we got unstuck. And if you feel stuck today, I want you to know you're not going to be stuck forever. You may feel like you can't get any traction. Maybe you feel like you're in a three-foot snowdrift, but that drift you feel stuck in is not your destiny. You are going to get out. You're going to get traction, and, that, and somebody's going to dig you out, and that somebody has a name, and his name is Jesus. And I just want to tell you that Jesus' plans for your future are better than your plans for your future, and he can help you get unstuck. And so if you're taking notes, if you um, are taking pictures of the screen, I just got one big idea today, and it's this. Your setback, whatever you're stuck in, your setback can be your setup for your comeback. Your setback can be the setup for your comeback. And as a Ravens fan, <laughs> I feel that right there, okay? And if you're a Redskins fan, you should write this down. You should tattoo this on you, okay? But anyway... 
Hey, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. We've been in there all month long. And so if you brought a Bible, head on over there. If you don't have a Bible, I say this every week, but please, please, please don't leave today without grabbing one of the Bibles that we give away for free here because people are so generous here. We buy case after case after case of these Bibles and we just give them away. And so stop by the desk in the lobby before you leave today. Grab one of these. But in the meantime, we'll throw it on the screen. And I like participation when we read. And so for this first phrase, just on three, let's all read this together. One, two, three. Rejoice in our confident hope. Rejoice in our confident hope. I love that. Be, be patient. When do we need to be patient? In trouble. Stuck in the minivan, stuck in life. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Thank you for my neighbors, Nick and Brian. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Just, just say rejoice in hope. All right, you, you don't have to say it like you are stuck in the family minivan in the driveway and you got no hope at all. All right, just say rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. Listen, when you get stuck, when you feel like your wheels are spinning, one of the most powerful things you can do is keep on hoping and to keep on praying. And so keep on rejoicing. Why? Because the setback can be the setup for your comeback. And so I got three ways that you can get unstuck in 2020. And so if you want to write this down, you can. But here's the first way that you can get unstuck this year. Picture your better future. Picture your better future. Now, um, I don't know what you picture when you think about your future, but I did see some pictures of some kids of how they pictured their, their future this week, and it was super funny. And so if you like feel stuck right now and you need a good laugh, I got you, okay? So you want to see a few of these pictures? Okay, here, here's the first one we'll throw up here. 100-year-old me. This kid says, when I'm 100, I will play Uno with my grandchildren. Who likes Uno? Love Uno, man. So he's going to play Uno with his grandchildren. He says, I will wear a sweater all of the time. <laughs> Come on now. I will take naps every day. I will take my wife to Pizza Hut for dinner. Come on. <laughs> if that is not living the dream, I don't know what is. I uh, love it. Here's, a, here's another one. Someday, this kid writes, someday if I get a boyfriend. If I ever get a boyfriend, I might let my parents come on the date. But they have to sit far away from us. That might happen because I might not get a boyfriend. <laughs> and as a dad with a daughter, I am all for her, her not getting a boyfriend. Dads with daughters, who's with me? We need to start a group, all right? One last one. This one's this one's so funny. This is from a kid named Graham. What will you be doing when you're 100 years old? Breaking out of my tomb. <laughs> you are not going to hold Graham back, okay? Like this kid is confident. Um, <laughs> but I love it. I, something powerful happens when you picture. Your better future, like these guys. And now, I don't know what you picture when you picture your future, but I do know um, that last year, there was an app that came out that went viral called the Face app. Anybody remember the Face app? Okay, if, if you don't know what the Face app is, it was this app that you downloaded, and you could upload your picture to the app, and then it would show you a really old version of you. Like, it would put a filter over your, your face and show you, like, old, 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 old you. Like, who wants to see a 100-year-old version of themselves? 
Me. That sounds amazing. Like I'm the target audience for the face app. And so you guys want to see 100-year-old Joel? I'm going to show you anyway. So here we go. Here's Joel at 100. I'm hyped. I am hyped on this right here. Okay, like I don't. I'm still drinking Mountain Dew at 100. And by 100, I've been able to save up enough money to buy one of those Yeti cores. <laughs> My future's looking bright, you guys. But isn't it true when most of us picture our future, we don't think it's going to be better. Most of the time when we picture our future, we think it's going to be the same as things are now or worse, right? We think if, if my money's bad now, milk and bread ain't getting any cheaper, right? If my health is bad now, Lord have mercy. If my spouse drives as bad as they do now in 2020, clear all the roads for 2030, right? Well, we don't think our life is going to be better in the future a lot of times. We think our life is either going to be the same as it is now or worse. But one of the themes that I want to tell you about in here is that this tells us and reminds us that there is hope for our future. If you're a Jesus follower, your future home is heaven. I mean, come on. Your future home means you get to spend eternity forever with God in his presence, in his goodness. That means no more crying, no more bad days, no more depression, no more politics. Come on, somebody. And so that is our future home. Just picture that, people. I mean, does that excite anybody that heaven is your future home? And so if you feel stuck in life right now and you're like, man, this doesn't feel like home to me. Good news. This isn't home. Heaven is coming. You can keep on rejoicing. Paul says rejoicing, confident hope. You can rejoice in that, especially when life gets hard. Now, here's, here's a little bit of a hard truth. You guys okay with a little hard truth? Can you just give me, give me a little stretch? Just a little stretch? I'm going to give you a little stretch information. Sometimes God allows us to go through setbacks in our life. Pain is part of his process sometimes. Now, why would, would God allow us to go through setbacks? I think it's actually, we're going to talk about lifting and working out. I think it's a whole lot like working out. So um, last year, we had a workout group here at the church on Friday nights. And so one Friday night, me and my wife, Stacy decided to come out to the group. And, um, and I don't know if you can, you know, if you can tell or not, but like I skip leg day at the gym a lot, like a hundred percent of the time I skip it, but we came to group that night and it was like leg night group night. And so Robbie, who was leading the group, he made us run up and down these stairs out here all night long. And there's 23 of them. I know because I counted the entire time, 23 of them. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm going to can this group so fast. It was hurting so bad. And as bad as it hurt on Friday night, on Saturday, did it feel worse? Oh, yeah. Like I walked down to my garage, which I had to go down some steps. And I just looked back at my steps on the way up. And I'm like, I'm not going back inside until Tuesday. Like I'm just not going. And I preached that Sunday with like, you know, like the, the I just couldn't. It just hurt so bad. Now, why does it hurt when we work out? Because you break your muscles down. That's the pain that you feel. But over time, your muscles heal, and that's how you gain muscle. That's how you get stronger. 
the same thing happens when we go through setbacks in our life. We get broken down in our life, and God allows us sometimes to go through these setbacks, but over time, we heal and we gain spiritual strength. We gain spiritual muscle. And so just say this with me. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. That's how it works so many times in our faith. And so the, here's the point. The breakdown comes before the breakthrough. In our lives, the breakdown comes before the breakthrough. And so if you feel pain right now, I just want you to know you are going to heal. You are going to come out stronger on the other side one day. And the reason I know that is because the breakdown comes before the breakthrough. And so you can keep on rejoicing even in the pain. Well, Paul doesn't just say rejoice in confident hope. He, he says this. We'll throw this back on the screen. There it is. He says, keep on what? Praying. Keep on praying. Prayer is how we are reminded that we can picture a better future. When we're in pain, prayer can help us picture a better future. If you've been around here for very long, you know that I've, I've told you the story so many times, but Years and years ago, I went through a period of depression in my life for two years. And if anybody's ever struggled with mental health, like you know how difficult that can be. And I've never shied away from telling you all about that. But prayer was how I pictured a better future for that entire two years that I went through that. Every day I prayed Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Every day I said that prayer, and that prayer was my hope. That prayer is how I pictured a better future. That prayer is what helped me eventually get unstuck. And if anybody's ever gone, gone like hit rock bottom, who's hit rock bottom before? You've like hit the bottom before. Here's a good thing. When you hit the bottom, there's only one place to go but up, right? Just bounce back up. But anybody who's hit rock bottom will tell you that your faith grows more in the valleys than it'll ever grow on the mountaintop. And so, listen, keep on praying. If you feel stuck right now, keep on praying. Keep on rejoicing and keep picturing a better future because the breakdown comes before the breakthrough. Here's the second point. If you're taking notes, how do I get unstuck in 2020? When life gets hard, do hard things. Do hard things. So me and my brother Tim, we, we, we text each other random pictures a lot. No explanation, just we'll send each other random pictures. Like, like for instance, this, this summer, my brother Tim sent me this picture. No, no text, just this. And so I wrote him. I was like, Tim, what, what happened? And he said, I ran over a tree with a lawnmower. <laughs> How do you run over a tree with a lawnmower? I don't know, but I don't think that blade is going to work anytime soon. Um, now, before Christmas, he's not the only one who sends weird pictures. I sent my brother a weird picture right before Christmas, and we'll just put this on the screen. Now... Are you confused right now? I was confused as well. But this was a screenshot I took on my phone of something Tim put on his Amazon Christmas list that he wanted for Christmas. Who asked for that for Christmas? Can you imagine opening it up? Like, oh, so thank you so much. Like, oh, it's just wonderful. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who asked for these things, but... But years ago, my brother sent me a picture that I actually don't have for you on the screen today, but I didn't know what it was when I got it. It was just like this, this close-up picture, and I couldn't really tell what it was, but it, like, it, looked, it looked medical. And so I'm thinking, like, what in the world? So I wrote him back. I'm like, Tim, 
what, what am I looking at? And he said, all I got to tell you is, this is my bruise from falling down the stairs and never walk down the stairs in your new Christmas socks. And I was thinking like, you got new Christmas socks? So send a picture of that over. Um, but I asked him like about that. We like texted back and forth about this. Like it was like black and blue. It was medical, you guys. I mean, it just looked like I didn't really. It was, it was black and blue. And so I was like, Tim, what happened? He said, Well, I was, I was going to work, and uh, I was wearing my new Christmas socks. These Christmas socks came up a lot in this text exchange. And he said, I had I wood floor wood stair risers. And he said, My foot just slipped, and I just fell down the stairs. Anybody ever fallen down the stairs before? Yeah. Not good. So Tim is just laying there in pain in his new Christmas socks, which I enjoy picturing that a little bit. Like he's just laying there with his Christmas socks. And Jess was on the couch and his wife and, and, and Jess, you know, saw or heard this go down. And she's like, oh, my gosh, are you OK? And Tim laying in his Christmas socks was like, I'm OK. I'm OK. And I'm thinking, like, you don't this does not look OK. OK, this looks like Grey's Anatomy. This is what this looks like. But isn't it true that when we are in pain in life and someone says to us, oh my gosh, are you okay? We say, I'm okay. I was talking to somebody recently who I knew they're going through some stuff at home. You know, pastors know things. So I knew what was going on. And, and so I, I said to them, I was like, how you doing? And they said, I'm okay. And so that's what we, our knee-jerk reaction is to say, I'm okay. Life pushes us down the stairs. We're laying there in pain and we say, I'm okay. But just say this with me. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And so how do we not stay that way? That's where do hard things comes into play. And so when life gets hard, do hard things may mean saying, hey, I need to go to counseling, I think. Do hard things may mean saying, hey, to a friend, hey, I'm struggling with a secret. No one really knows about it, but like, I need you to help walk me through this. Do hard things may mean saying, um, hey, I'm not okay. Do hard things may mean forgiving someone, which can, can we, can we like be honest in church? Don't we enjoy not forgiving people a little bit, like just a little bit? I mean, it's a little bit of fun, a little bit of joy that comes with that. But doing hard things may mean forgiving someone. Now, why in the world would we do any of these things? Because if we don't allow God to transform our pain, we'll transfer our pain. Let me say that again. If we don't allow God to transform our pain, we will transfer our pain. We project our pain onto our people. Isn't that true? And we don't want to do that. And so do hard things may mean saying, hey, I need to go to counseling. Or, hey, I'm not okay. Or, you know, I have a secret. Will you just like help walk me through this? I need to get this off my chest. Or it might mean forgiving someone. Now, the reason I brought up forgiving someone twice is because here's what Paul says next in verses 14 through 16. He says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them, but pray that God will bless them. That sounds like do hard things to me. Anybody else? <laughs> that sounds so hard, but it gets a little bit better. He says, be happy with those who are happy. Now we're getting there. And weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Now that last part, you don't want to like text that to your spouse for like their verse of the day. 
you will need forgiveness. Okay, like lots of it. Um, but Paul's like, do you want to get unstuck? Pray and bless people who hurt you. Nothing will keep you stuck in life like unforgiveness. Now, here, here's a skinny on forgiveness. Forgiveness is not about the person who hurt you. Forgiveness is about you. It's about me. It's about letting go of what is hurting us so that we can enjoy the life God has for us. That's how forgiveness can be the setback that sets you up for your comeback. Your joy, my joy, our joy in life is directly tied to our ability to forgive in life. Now, last Sunday was, um, it was 70 degrees out. You remember last Sunday? Whew. And so, like, we went, we took our kids to the park after church last Sunday, and, uh, you know, it's 70 degrees out. We're having a great day. I'm like, come on, summer. Just give me one blizzard, but come on, summer. And, um, and so we're having a great day. I'm wearing a t-shirt outside in January. My kids are not fighting with each other. Parents with more than one kid, you know. Oh, glory. All right. They aren't fighting. I'm sitting on the bench with Stacy, and Stacy's doing a little like PDA. She's trying to kiss on me, and I'm like PTL. Like praise the Lord, this is all good. She's enjoying ourselves at the park on the bench. And my daughter Nora, while we're in um, at the park, uh, she came up to me and she's like, "Daddy, can you can you push me on the swings?" I'm like, "Of course, baby." And so I'm walking with Nora. And again, can you agree everything's great so far? Great. I'm walking with Nora, I'm about to push my daughter on the swings, and at that moment, that's when I got shot by a bird. A bird pooped on me. And I, I can't make this up. It landed, you ready? In my ear hole. I don't know if I was doing one of the, I don't know what was happening. In my ear hole. I'm like, I will take out every bird right now. It, it started to ruin my day at the park. And I just thought like, all right, all right, birds, I see you. I see what's happening. But I thought, yeah, angry bird. I want to make some angry birds. But I thought, I've been having such a good time with my family. I don't want to let what this bird did to me ruin my day in the park. And so I, I started wiping it up. And I may or may not have put a little bit on Stacey's t-shirt. <laughs> but I just kept on enjoying my day in the park. And sometimes we're going through life like I was walking in that park. Life is good. You and your boo are kissing on the park bench. And then somebody drops something on you, right? And you get crapped on. Can I say that in church? I'm going to say it in church. And you're like, I want to ninja chop somebody. Like, I am so mad. And you know what? You can let that ruin your day in the park. Or you can wipe it up and forgive and keep on enjoying your day in the park. Listen, don't let what somebody drops on you ruin your life. Your joy, my joy, our joy in life is directly tied to our ability to forgive. Here, here's one more. Your joy, my joy, our joy in life is directly tied to our ability to believe that God has a plan for us, even when life doesn't go the way that we planned it. How many of you know the light doesn't always go the way you plan it? Sometimes stuff just drops on you. Light does not always go the way we, we plan it. Maybe for you, you had a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend who broke up with you, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'll be alone forever. Listen, I, I've been there. Co college me, somebody broke my heart, and I thought, oh, my life is a country song. Oh, I'm never going to get through this. 
You know, it was a setback, but I am so thankful for that setback because in October of 2003, I saw a girl named Stacy walk out of a house in Georgetown and I was like, hey, what's up? And the setback became the set up for the comeback. It is okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And so do hard things by believing in God's plan, no matter what happens. Do hard things by believing in forgiveness, even if it's hard. Do hard things by keeping on rejoicing, even in the middle of a hard thing, because your setback can be your setup for the comeback. I'll end with this. Last thing, how do I get unstuck in 2020? Keep doing good. Keep doing good. My favorite verse in, in Romans 12 is in verse 21. And this is what it says. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil how? By doing good. Guys, we live in an evil world. Have you, have you seen the news lately? Have you been on Facebook ever? We live in an evil world. The fact that the Ravens are not going to the Super Bowl... It's proof that we live in an evil world. Evil has a name, and their name are the Tennessee Titans, okay? I'm just... <laughs> but we live in an evil world, and listen, one day, God is going to take care of all the evil. But for now, how do you and me and all of us conquer evil in our life? Paul says, by doing good. Tomorrow is um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and uh, we have a picture we'll throw up of uh, Dr. King, and... Well, speaking of conquering evil in our world, is anybody thankful for what this man stood for and how he helped our nation? I mean, just amazing what he stood for and what he did and what we, he still echoes into our, our lives today, doesn't he? I heard a pastor telling a story about him this week that I just wanted to close with. And it's actually a story about, from the perspective of one of Dr. King's friends, Dr. Robert Greene. And Dr. Robert Greene is a civil rights leader, and uh, they, they marched together in the 60s a lot. But Dr. Greene said his most powerful memory of Dr. King wasn't on any of these marches. It was one day when they were in a car at a gas station in Memphis. And uh, Dr. King was sitting in the front passenger seat. The window was rolled down. Uh, Dr. Greene was in the, in the back of the car, and they were just talking. And they said out of nowhere, that this, or Dr. Greene said out of nowhere, this, this uh, white man came up to Dr. King's door where the window was rolled down, and he said a slur word to Dr. King, and then he pulled out a gun, and he pointed it in Martin Luther King Jr.'s face, and he said, I'm going to kill you right here. And Dr. Green said what was so powerful about that moment is he said he watched his friend, Dr. Green, or Dr. King, just slowly turn and look at this guy, and he smiled at the guy with the gun, and he said to him, I love you, brother. And the guy with the gun heard the words, I love you, brother. And the guy with the gun was so confused. And he, and he said he looked down at his gun. Dr. Green said the guy looked down at his gun, looked, down, looked at Dr. King, and then he looked down at his gun and he just dropped his gun to his side and he walked away. And the pastor, when he was telling the story, he said, my point is this, Dr. King wasn't afraid to die, but he was afraid to live in a world without love. Isn't that powerful? How do you and I conquer evil? in our life by making this a world that has love in it, by doing good. Paul said, keep doing good. And so when somebody hurts you, keep doing good. 
When you feel stuck at work, keep doing good. When you feel stuck in a bad habit, just every time you fall down, you get back up again and you keep doing good. When you feel stuck in your money and you made a bad money decision, listen, get up and keep doing good. When you are stuck in your emotions, keep doing good. When you feel stuck in your marriage, keep doing good and shovel the driveway, man. Why? Because your setback can be the setup for your comeback. And so keep doing good. When life gets hard, do hard things and keep picturing a better future because Paul said we have we can have confident hope. Rejoice in your confident hope. And so I just want to tell you today, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. Picture your better future. When life gets hard, do hard things and keep doing good. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, I'm so thankful for these words of Paul. Just, we get stuck. We all know we get stuck. And sometimes there's all kind of different levels of being stuck. But your words through Paul are so important to us. That we can rejoice in confident hope even when we feel stuck. And that when we're in trouble, we can still have hope and we can keep on praying. And so Jesus, I just pray for the people in this room that we will have confident hope, not in our situation, not in what we're stuck in, but in you. And we'll know that our future home is with you. And also in this world now, you are with us. And so just help us to continue rejoicing in hope. Even if our life doesn't have a whole lot to rejoice for, help us to know we do have something to rejoice for because you gave up your son for us. And we have an amazing love that came from you to us. And so thank you, Jesus, for all you can give us in times where we don't have hope. You are our hope. In Jesus' name, amen.